Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standig Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for the Athletic, which, yes, means I was in Ashburn on Friday for rookie minicamp, but honestly, that was a long time ago. I'm talking to you on Sunday night. What an eclectic weekend of sports. The Caps have a big win to go up, uh, take a 2-1 to series lead. Uh, you know, a huge upset in boxing. The NBA playoffs are kind of maddening, kind of wild. We had the PGA Tour was in town. Props to Max Homa for bringing it home. Uh, Apparently he's a Cal grad because Ron Rivera and his wife Stephanie were on hand Sunday to take a picture with with the winner. Um, And then, of course, the Kentucky Derby. I I don't get, I'm not a, a goose bumpy kind of a sports fan at this point. Wow, that was, that was different though. With Rich Strike, not just the second biggest upset in Derby history, an 80 to 1 shot coming in to win. The way it unfolded, if you haven't seen the overhead cam footage of this yet, highly recommend it. It's all over Twitter or online. You can get it. It's great. An amazing call to come out of nowhere, not just in terms of the race itself, winning by three quarters of a length. But literally coming from nowhere, not even in the Derby field until a day or so before the race started. Uh, the jockey was considered to be one of the best r- riders in Ohio. <laughs> not exactly a, a huge uh, note there from a jockey perspective. But hey, an amazing fun ride, no pun intended, uh, to watch uh, uh, Rich Strike take that down. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, we, are, of course, are, are not here to talk about horse racing and Frankly, I just exhausted everything I, I could tell you. Um, but we are here to talk about the Commanders. And on Friday at the uh, Rookie Minicamp, our friend Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch joined me to discuss what we saw out there. Sam Howell, Jahan Dodson, um, Fedarian Mathis, and so on. We also spoke to Ron Rivera out there along with some of the players. And uh, we talked about that. We also talked about kind of this quiet offseason. But from the perspective of is Dan Snyder's finance is a factor here um, in that. Um, I've already talked to you guys about this. I, I When I spoke with Ron Rivera at the owner's meeting and asked him about Terry McLaurin's contract, I, I brought up the idea of, hey, are you kind of being quiet here because of um, owner's uh, instructions from up top? And he said, no, no, it's just we're being mindful of the salary cap. Okay, well, in any event, Michael and I got into that a little bit as well and some other fun topics. Always a good time to talk to the upbeat Michael Phillips, who is at Michael P. RTD on Twitter. Of course, I am at Ben Standig, and this podcast you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you do your podcasting. If you missed last week, had a bunch of episodes, uh, recapping the draft and kind of moving the conversation forward. Um, really appreciate all the feedback, not just recently, but throughout the whole off season, you guys and girls have been great. I really do appreciate everybody checking out the podcast, saying nice things uh, on iTunes or on Twitter or whatever else. And to those of you who don't, I appreciate you listening. Um, all right. I, I want to get to, a few different topics, though. Um, some things I don't think either Michael and I touched on or just things we didn't have time to expand upon. And that includes, like, kind of who was out there, right, at um, at, at the rookie minicamp. So, yes, the eight draft picks are there from Jahan Dotson on down. 
13 undrafted free agents. I did a breakdown of who these people are and why you should care about some of them. You can go check that out on The Athletic. I will just say quickly, uh, Tyrese Robinson, guard from uh, Oklahoma. He played tackle for the Sooners. Looks like a guard here. I think he's somebody to keep an eye on in terms of possibly making this team or at least having a shot. You know, It's a long shot for these guys to make it, but it was a long shot for Danny Johnson and Cam Sims, and they've now been around for this will be their fifth year. Uh, you know, Isaiah Wright made the team as an undrafted free agent. Jared Patterson made it last year. So um, it's not impossible. It's a long shot, but, you know, it feels like somebody typically comes out. So I mentioned Tyrese Robinson, two linebackers, uh, Trey Walker from Idaho, Drew White from Notre Dame. Um, as we know, linebacker is is a uh, is a depth need. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. And then I'll just mention also Jaquez Ezard. Uh, he's a wide receiver. But most notably, he's a kick returner or a punt returner. He's somebody that, you know, we don't know what they're going to do at that spot. Um, Alex Erickson, they signed the other day. I think I was calling him Jeff Erickson on the podcast the other day. Sorry to to, to Alex for that. Um, in any event, so those are some of the people that were out there the other uh, the other day. In addition, 16 under, uh, players there for rookie tryouts, including Stephen Davis, his son, Stephen Davis Jr., yes, the former Washington running back. His son is a linebacker. Um, so there's that. Uh, what else can I tell you? Uh, oh, and then you have the three veteran holdovers. They include defensive tackle David Bada, defensive tackle Tyler Clark, and guard Nolan Laufenberg. Now, look, there's no real reason to, to know that Tyler Clark existed. Laufenberg was around uh, pretty much all last year. But David Bada is an interesting one in part because, one, he's been around for two years. They've, they've made some time to, to work on him. But also, he uh, plays defensive tackle. And as we know right now, there's not much depth there. You've got John Allen. You've got Deron Payne, right? You've got Fedarian Mathis. You've got Daniel Wise. Uh you know, I mean, you you could certainly use more. And David Bada, he's been around now he, for the last couple of years. So we'll see. I, I think there's a chance he could at least be in the mix this time as opposed to just being part of the international program and just kind of hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. That's a, I can't I can't do a John Malkovich from Rounders impression. Sorry. Um, <laughs> anyway, so just something to keep an eye on. We'll, 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 we'll ponder where he's at. Um, in the days to come, the vets show up in a couple of weeks. We'll be good to see them just for the new storylines, if nothing else. Um, speaking of storylines, I, I did want to note one thing here. Um, Jack Del Rio, defensive coordinator, spoke to Julie Donaldson, of course, the uh, voice of the of the commanders from a uh, you know day to day video context, and of course, part of the radio show and an executive over there. And they talked about you know, kind of where things are with this defense and some of the new rookies and the new additions and, and, and so on. But she asked Jack Del Rio specifically about where things are with the secondary. His answer was a little confusing to me, and I wanted to play it for you just to help everybody understand my confusion. Here's Jack Del Rio on his thoughts on the secondary going into this year. You mentioned um, that the secondary back there, I mean, it, it takes time for them to kind of get to know each other. And as you mentioned that, it, you know, it took a little time last year. But now that you have that cohesion, you have some of that consistency with those guys coming back. What's the next step for that unit coming out of the game? Well, the next step, again, this time of year, when you can slow it down 
explain exactly where you belong and why, how it all ties together, uh, how we need to communicate on certain adjustments, certain formations, certain shifts, motions. That is critical right now. And, um, uh, I, you know, I was disappointed last year when we did not have full participation. I thought it contributed to us having a poor year um, in the back end because it, it's all about the back end has to play well for you to play great defense. You've got to cap things. You've got to, um, you know, understand where you belong and be there uh, and, and, and then just make your plays. But um, it, not to look back and make excuses and worry about it, but I know I feel much better about what we're doing now, the work we're putting in, the focus, the energy, the effort, the commitment. Those things pay off. There's no shortcut to success. Well, I would imagine the guys, too, the expectations were so high for this defense. Um, and, and there were times where I know that last they pray. Year? Last year. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's oh, a lot yeah. Of times... We had it all figured out. Yeah, didn't we? Didn't yeah. we? It's yeah. funny how that goes. Uh-huh. Um, but you do learn a lot of lessons along the way. All right, so Del, Del Rio says he was disappointed looking back that they didn't have full participation in the offseason program last year and how that contributed to the secondary's struggles. And at first first blush, it kind of sounds like he's say, suggesting that there were people from the secondary who were not around, which we know was not the case unless my memory is faulty. Sure, Landon Collins was recovering from his Achilles injury, but other than that, Everybody was there. The people that were missing, as we know, Chase Young missed all of the voluntary workouts. Montez Sweat, John Allen each missed a session. So it's it's slightly confusing because it he kind of just sounds like he's re- referencing that the secondary was people weren't there and that's what held them back. But I think if you go back and listen to it again, he he he. There's a slight pause there, and I think that pause to me suggest he's really talking about the fact that some of those defensive linemen weren't there and that by not having those guys there maybe offset or upset some of the timing that was needed to help get the secondary adjusted as we know they had uh, communication issues particularly early in the season this is the best I can come up with because other than that like I said I, I don't know what he would be inferring uh, if you have better thoughts Hit me up on Twitter at Ben Standig or send me an email, bstandig at theathletic.com on this or any other matter. Um, I just thought that was interesting. Kind of confusing, but that was what he said. Um, you know, he also talked about, like I said, he talked about Cole Holcomb and, um, you know, that, that he's in play to be the uh, middle linebacker or Mike linebacker and not to sleep on him, even though I don't think any of us were. They were the ones who said at the end of the year that Cole, that they needed more from that position. They didn't really see him in that role. Apparently they do now, uh, and so on. They still need linebackers. We we get this. Ron Rivera's talked about that. He talked about it on Friday. I would imagine they bring in a vet. I mentioned some of these rookies who could be in play since they didn't draft one, um, so we can keep all that in mind there. Other than that, you know, I would just say in terms of the guys, we, I talked about this a little, a little bit with Michael, so I don't want to step on it too much. But, you know, I think, I think this, you know, Jahan Dotson, you know, he, what stood out to me is he looks like a guy ready to go. I don't know what that means from a statistical perspective. I don't know that means he's going to be a clear starter throughout his NFL career. I just mean he looks like a guy who's ready to play, that the learning curve is not there. And I think that's probably going to be the case with a lot of the guys they drafted because they were predominantly seniors other than Sam Howell, right? So, I, I just say keep that in mind. I I I, I like Dotson. I also liked his press conference afterwards 
We talked about this with Michael as well. Um, just in terms of his command of, of, of the situation, poise, and also congrats to him for uh, graduating from Penn State this weekend. Ron Rivera let him get out of Dodge so he could go do that. Um, our friend Matt Paris noted that Shaka Tony also graduated this weekend from Penn State, so congrats to him as well. And Landon Collins also graduated from Alabama. Yeah, he's been out of school for a minute, so props to him. For staying on top of it, I, I don't know if I would be able to keep up my course load in any capacity when I have other, uh, uh, you know, I'm out of school, I'm doing other fun things like playing in the NFL and, you know, the, the opportunities that come with that. But props to Landon Collins for going back to school and getting that done as well. Uh, last thing before we move on here to my conversation with Michael Phillips, um, you know, just as a, I always ask you guys or often ask people here. If you got a sec to drop a rating and a review on iTunes and you've done that, I really do appreciate it. It does help. Um, it really does. Um, I, I just want to say also, like, our our traffic has been really good here during the offseason. And this is typically the time of year where people are more excited to hear about this team because it's about what's going to be new. What are the pieces coming in to help add um, – to, to this group to, to, to get them over the hump, not just to be over 500, get them in contention. Um, we obviously had a lot of conversations about quarterbacks. There was also Terry McLaurin, uh, his deal. We've talked about Deron Payne recently, and I really do appreciate the fact that everybody has been interested in that. Typically, this is also now a point where things get a little quieter. We, the, the transactions are largely over minus, you know, I mean, there could be a, you know, there could be a Charles Leno or a Morgan Moses situation like last year, but in general, you know, it's going to be a lot quieter and we just sort of move into these offseason voluntary programs to the mandatory mini camp, take a break get in the training camp and then we're off and running. Um, I want to keep the momentum going, though. So my favor to, to everybody here is let your friends know about this podcast. There's obviously a lot of there's a lot of competition in this space and there's a lot of uh, obviously really fun people who do these things. I've had all of them on here pretty much at some point. The Kevin Sheehan's, the Grant Paulson's, uh, you know, who you know, all, everybody, Al Galdi, people on my beat, they all do. A, they all do a good job. I'd like to think I do as well, and I just want to keep getting the word out there that we are doing this here, and not just here on this podcast, but over on the Athletic as well, because the Athletic is behind the paywall. And I know for some of you who complain, I get that all the time. It's a dollar a month right now. I don't know what to tell you, people. I'm not trying to tell you how to spend your money. Join, don't join, it's your call, but it's a dollar a month right now. I mean, I don't know, you know, don't, 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 you know, <laughs> don't sign up, but don't tell me about the paywall. Anyway, that said, I, tell your friends about this. If you think I'm interesting on this podcast, great. From a news perspective, you know, it's, an, it, you know, it's now, we can say now they have, they drafted a defensive tackle in the second round and a running back in the third round. I've been talking about these things for a long time here on this podcast based on my own reporting and insight. Um, you know, I, did my last mock draft for Washington. And yeah, I gave them Kyle Hamilton because as I wrote, I just could not figure out a world in which if Drake London was off the board, that they were going to take these other receivers. Well, they didn't. And they traded down. Um, we've been reporting on Terry McLaurin and Jerron Payne. And again, uh, I, I, it's, it's slightly uncomfortable to talk about myself in this way, but it is sort of just to, as a reminder, Hey, these are things that we've been discussing here for a while, and I really do appreciate the support from everybody. Tell your friends, tell your family about what's going on. Subscribe button to this podcast. That way you won't miss it. Hopefully you listen, but if everybody subscribes, it helps the, It helps my cause, helps everybody's cause, keeps us going. We keep the momentum going 
makes me happy, keeps me wanting to invest in this podcast, um, which I am. Um, all right, enough of that. Uh, again, really awkward talking about myself, but sometimes you got to do it. All right, let's, uh, let's do this, though. Let's get to my conversation with the always fun Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch talking rookie minicamp and more here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, as promised, the pride of uh, the Richmond Times-Dispatch is joining us, Michael Phillips. Um, Michael, this is how long draft season's going. We're doing this from the Commander's Practice Bubble. This is the second podcast you and I have done from inside a practice bubble because right. we were in Liberty from Malik right. Willis. That feels like it was a thousand years ago. That was a point where I guess they had already made the Wentz trade, but you still mm-hmm. didn't know for sure and this, that, and the other. And we have come a long way. Do you, how do you feel you've uh, gotten through this journey of the uh, draft season? Yeah, I was back when Malik Willis was going to be a first-round pick, so that was, uh, that was very long ago. We were all very excited that day. He looked good. Everybody seemed to like him. Um, and then I don't know. I, I don't know what happened from here to there. I would have picked him personally, uh, but I'm not an NFL GM. It's it's a weird time of year because, as evidenced by the fact that the NFL is trying to make a thing of the schedule release in, in this window here, that is a testament to there, there's not a lot to say at the moment. We know who the draft picks are. We got to see them today. We know what the roster is. We don't really know what it's going to become. We've got an idea. And it's this team, so all the off-the-field stuff swirls, as it always does. But even on that, I'm losing interest in that somewhat because it feels like we're, we're a dog chasing its tail in circles here. I don't get to sense any forward motions happening there. Just a lot of, a lot of statements, a lot of committees. I don't get the sense we're... I don't get the sense we're building to an eminent conclusion. Especially in that front where the political world is heading towards midterms, like yeah. actual, you know, and, and that's going to change the focus for yeah. these politicians and and so on. Um, I was saying to you before we started, and I said this to you the, the other day, that, like, obviously I'm into discussing the draft. It's your thing. But. Congrats on being the top mock drafter. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, what a niche. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but like I have to say like I am like really over talking about the draft and it, I think it's a testament to the fact that like these guys have been so quiet I mean Carson Wentz happened a long time ago we've talked about that a lot and at some point you can't keep talking you actually have to go start seeing now we will get these guys out here for veteran mini or for OTAs in a couple of weeks and then mini camp after that obviously the real fun doesn't start until July. But like it's like, ugh, okay, we, we've done the draft. We, we, we need new topics. So it was nice to see the rookies today. But at the same point, I'm really excited to go to, to see the veterans just to change the topic. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned politics. It's like uh, the, the Hillary Clinton campaign. You remember, like, the, the beat writers who were covering that every day? And their nickname for it was the Grim Death March to the Presidency. <laughs> like, it was, just, it, was, it was just this, like, boring, lifeless thing that just sustained itself. This, this feels like the grim death march to the wild card game like you know just all these there are teams pushing the chips in to go to the super bowl and it's exciting and, and they could flame out like it could it could end so poorly but they, it could also end at the super bowl and that's exciting you know and that was the rams last year too like and then you know for every team that does that there's the cowboys too where like they push their chips in and they don't make it and it explodes and, and then there's the teams that are very obviously rebuilding Jacksonville, of course, top of that list. Detroit, you know, you're rebuilding. You know, it's, it's like going to a Baltimore Orioles game or a Nats game. Like, you know, nobody's expecting excellence. You're just trying to put one foot in front of the other. And then there's this team, which just is so 
sorely trying to make that wild card game happen. Like, and it's just such an uninspiring target. But also, you look back at where this franchise has been for the last 20 years, it's a reasonable target too. It's the right thing to do. It's just not exciting. Right. And by the way, I know you were talking about the Commanders. You could have just been talking about the Wizards. This has been my life for the last year. The, the team just trying to make the playoffs, basically. Like, they're kind of not really going for it to a degree. And, I, and, you know, to their credit here, the Carson Wentz was a, 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 as bold of a move as they could make. They tried to go bigger, but it just didn't work out. So well, let, let's rate the local sports teams then. Because, um, like, the Caps have just been sustained excellence. Like, you know, that that's what it is. Um the Nationals have just ridden like some huge boom and bust cycles, like up, down, up, down. Um, there's these guys spinning their wheels continuously, you know, around I mean, basically there are 500 team, but it feels constantly worse because of the turmoil, particularly off the field. The, 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 you know, the, the thing they have in common, I guess, with the Wizards is they're both talking themselves into what they've got. You know, the Wizards seem to be like, how can we blow this up? We've got fill in the blank you know john wall for a long time bradley beal fill in the like legitimate great basketball players how can we blow it up when we have right this guy um and and these guys do that exercise too that's very common in the nfl of course you talk yourself into what you have um next year will be an overdrive cycle of that assuming they make the playoffs which i think is the expectation here if they make the playoffs you're going overdrive on talking yourself into we're, we're one step away Carson Wentz, you know, is whatever. We're, you know, now we're having an off season. Now we're going. Yeah. Well, I did something uh, maybe it was a week or two ago on the radio, and I think I did it here also. Where, as a, if I was a, uh, if you're looking at the fan bases, it's the Wizards fan base that should be the most frustrated, even more than these guys, yes. because in that sport, if you don't have, you know, uh, Giannis, LeBron, whatever, you really can't compete. Whereas here. You know, the, the reality is if Carson Wentz plays at a level that we've seen him play at, at in his career, now granted it's been a couple of years, but he has shown it. And even last year for all the negative, 27 touchdowns, seven picks, I get numbers may be a little deceiving, but it's not like he was a complete clown show. And the defense here, okay, they were clearly underachieving last year, but this is the same group that people were saying, or they were statistically a top five unit the previous year. So, and most of their, you know, the defensive line is still intact. So it's conceivable they could be a top half of the league defense with an upgraded quarterback. I can talk myself into 10 wins, and that, yeah. and then you, oh, yeah. you, know, you make the playoffs, you know, who knows? So, and that's why it is different. Like, for all the stuff that goes on here, there is, you could talk yourself into something, and as you said, they do. But at the same point, I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> let's see it. At the time of this recording, we haven't seen the schedule yet, which is going to, I guess, get leaked out one one game a minute for over this entire week. I don't, I don't know what they're doing there. But it, once we have the schedule, you're charting out the path to 10. That's that's the number. Maybe they don't make the plus of 10 and 7. It, it could happen. Um, but I, I think that's the metric of success this season is being in that, that mix, that hunt going into the final game of the season with the playoffs at least a possibility I, um, I think that's how we're going to measure success this year yeah no for for, for sure we can come back to that in a second we are out here at the rookie uh mini camp the only three days we only got out here for the one day we got to watch sam howe throw the ball Jahan dodson catch the ball brian robinson sort of fake run the ball but that nobody's hitting anybody um and all that i don't even want to pretend to be like so anybody stand out to you but we also got to talk to them a little bit in person. We, yeah. we had them on Zoom the other day. So based on any of that, 
anything stand out to you about whatever somebody said or just the body language or maybe it was something uh, on the field? I thought it was kind of sloppy overall, honestly. I, I don't like. I'll have to go back in there. I feel like maybe we haven't been at one of these in a couple of years. Is that right? Uh, were we at one of these last year? Uh, uh, I feel like we might not have been. Um, so it may have been a few years. Maybe I'm just forgetting that these are disjointed, sloppy efforts. Right. I mean, uh, uh, obviously all these guys are just thrown together yeah. and they're just trying to figure it out. Yeah, it felt like a disjointed, sloppy effort. But, um, you know, you're seeing who looks the part. Who's he, um, You know, like Chris Paul was playing... They were doing like a weird four-man line. Like, did, did we learn anything from that? I don't know. Rivera gave him a lot of coaching attention. Like, he came over, he was, he was like giving him some pointers, pointers, uh, you know, which, which I noticed. Is that good? Is that bad? Is that because he knows he's going to be here for a while? I don't know. Nobody knows. You know, you, you, can't, you can't know coming out of these rookie mini camps. Um, I'm generally bullish on this being an instant impact class, uh, you know, certainly in your top three picks. Uh, you know, we, I think that, you know, it's, if you want to count special teams, your first four picks, sure. But your first three picks are all instant impact guys. Not, nothing I saw today dissuaded me from that. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I, and I'll just focus on Sam Howe because obviously with the quarterbacks, I mean, one, that's the thing we're all watching the most. And it, two. That was a super disservice to them to bring in a guy who's like a a foot, t- a foot taller than Sam Howell. So our first impression of the guy is like, oh, who's that shrimpy little thing? I tweeted I tweeted out a picture, and right, it looks like me standing next to Patrick Ewing or something. It's really... Uh, he, he, and he's not short. Sam Howell, not short. Uh, they did they just, they just they did him I, wrong I by mean, finding the tallest guy in the DMV and bringing him in to be the second quarterback. Yeah, I'm showing Michael a picture. I mean, this looks like it's, you know... Mini me out there with a freaking, uh, you know. You know a, a Imagine six. if Heineke were out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, not not good. Um, again, I'm not going crazy on any of this, but I, I thought, relatively speaking, I thought Hal looked decisive and confident with what he was doing. Which, again, I this isn't that it's not much going on, but like, at least he didn't look overwhelmed. And sometimes you can get guys who come in with la- lack of confidence and things like that. I, I thought, at least from that perspective, he looked the part. Again, we're, 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 we have a blanket rule on here. No, we're, there's no quarterback controversy on this podcast. We're not getting into that. But it is a guy, obviously, who's intriguing because of the fact that he was. I, I look back at my the agent survey I did last year. One of the questions I asked was, who's going to be the number one pick the next year? And there were three people got multiple guesses. One was Kayvon Thibodeau. One was Spencer Rattler, which goes to show how Oops. things change. Oops. And one who got multiple votes was Sam Howell. Yeah. And uh, it, it is why he's intriguing. Again, no we know the starter is and we think we know the two is but yeah i I think he's going to be a a clear fun storyline to watch um and relatively speaking to whatever this was i think today at least was it seemed like a good start yeah and and you know what a luxury to come in and not have to compete for the starting job or even be in a storyline like that like somebody will write it because people are idiots but you know there there is no there's nothing there's nothing he he's you know we have our guy he's carson wentz I think I think as a really nice luxury to get a year in the NFL without having to look over your shoulder or be thrown into that or whatever like and you know whatever that drama was in Tennessee of Tannehill being oh I'm not going to mentor the kid you know like I I don't think we're going to get any of that here um it seems like he is a personality fit with Wentz um Heineke's just a happy dude in general like I think it'll be a good room like everybody I've had some people say to me do you think they're being disrespectful to Heineke and then you watch Heineke's Instagram I think he's fine 
<laughs> he, he doesn't seem to be letting it worry him as he's out and about doing whatever he's doing. He, he, as of the Super Bowl, he was making his rounds doing it in every national outlet. You know, is he, you know, they haven't named you the starter. Like, are you offended by that? And I would imagine it took it a lot of restraint to be like, dude, did you watch me play out there? Like, no. Like, what in the world would that be? Come on now. Like, he's happy to be here. You know I love the kid. He's got heart out the wazoo. It's it's he's so fun to watch. And two and a half games of him is the exact right amount of him in a given NFL season. Well, and it's interesting because with Sam Howe, people keep making the Baker Mayfield comparison, and that's not a fun comparison right now because ba- Baker Mayfield's clearly his, uh, you know, not high on the approval not rating. At the moment. But there is you can make the same kind of claim for Taylor Heineke with a stronger arm. He's got the same type of uh, moxie that the whole like I'm going to draw up a play in the dirt here and figure something out and he had to last year because Carolina lost all their uh, offensive line and their weapons and so if we if you make the comparison to Heineke but with a bigger arm that sounds more exciting than Baker Mayfield <laughs> who was the number one pick and who's been a pretty good quarterback relatively speaking but so yeah if, if, if you're worried about how view him in that regard and maybe you'll feel better about it yeah I get the sense we won't talk about him a lot through training camp either until we get to the preseason games and he's getting snapped I think Wentz will consume a lot of the oxygen in the room yeah. through that mini camp, early training camp period. Like, we're going to be closely watching him. I think this will all kind of fade into the, the background a little bit. I, I did a, uh, on the previous episode I did, I did a roster winner and losers based on whatever's happened here in the offseason, particularly in the draft. I think from a winner perspective, uh, well, wait. McLaurin's a winner. Terry's away. Oh, okay. We, well, that's interesting. Yeah, we okay. didn't we, we didn't mention him, but I get it, I, I get why you're saying that. But yeah. why, why why do you say him? Why well, the market went bananas? So he's going to get a big big fat deal, and you know they they got him support. They got him a quarterback with an arm and another wide receiver who can run a run a crisp route to to go opposite him. That's a lot of wins for Terry. Yeah, I think I went Holcomb just because they never ultimately signed a yeah. uh, linebacker. And, 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 and today was another. There wasn't Ron Rivera did talk. There wasn't a ton of news. There was a lot of rehashing, but he did reiterate the Cole Holcomb aspect. Says again, they do want to bring in some linebackers, but it's pretty apparent that Holcomb is going to be the guy. Um, it does feel like they're putting it puts a lot more on Jamin Davis, and that's why I still assume they're going to bring in a vet because. I, I don't know how you can feel overly comfortable that he's going to be one of your two guys, let alone. Uh, uh, difference maker, but whatever that 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 that's for them to figure out. I know I asked Ron about it today, and he said, I don't know. He said that you know, seeing some positive things, but obviously they got a long way to go before we see uh, anything for real out here. What was the Ron spin on that? It was we went back and watched a lot of tape and realized that Cole Holcomb was actually really good. Was that was that what we went with? That was basically <laughs> it. Yeah, at the owners' meeting and. Um, I guess it just felt like they had obviously had reached a point. You know, they kept making this big deal, like we, you know, when we traded for Holt for Wentz, you know, we had a, you know, kind of we realized we had to redo a lot of stuff. To which I'm like, well, that makes no sense. You tried to get Russell Wilson. Did you think he was going to be for free? Like, you know, the the money was going to cost you for somebody. I just feel like they decided, well, we took in all the Wentz money and we're not going to spend it on these linebackers who are whatever. So, oh yeah. Cole Holcomb, yeah, yeah, we're going with him. This is not a, a stand groom exclusive. I've written this in the newspaper, but I haven't blasted it out, blasted it out. Dan Snyder took out a big fat loan to buy out the minority partners last year. And I think the prevailing thought at the time was, was going to resell those shares to somebody to re-liquidate, capitalize, whatever the financial term is, 
turning your assets into money. Um, he doesn't have, that we know of, profitable enterprises outside of this. Right. Um, when you sign a guy to a big contract and you give him a big signing bonus, you got to cut the check on the spot. For Terry, what's that? A forty million dollar check? You know, whatever that ends up being. You just you wonder if liquidity is a factor here in all of this, and you wonder if that was part of what's driving this was Carson Wentz was not. You know, I, I think they were always going to be allowed to get the quarterback they wanted, but part of not restructuring Carson Wentz is not creating money due at the moment. So this is yeah. So to this point, and I'm blanking on the um, the name of the uh, of what this is called, but there's a policy where basically when you it's not an escrow, it's basically an escrow, but like yeah. when you agree to a deal for X money, get yep. the guarantee money, you have to put it aside. Yep. Like the, that's why the Deshaun Watson. Like when we talk about why there are no guaranteed contracts in the NFL. Part of that reason is because the owners don't want to tie it up. Now, yeah. I, I've talked to some people who don't understand why the, the thing is called the funding rule. Yeah. I think people are just like, I don't understand why we even have the rule. It doesn't In seem this like it. Yeah, it doesn't seem yeah. like it's not you know needed. But that is, I think, a part of it. Um, I've talked about this before too here, and I've, I've written about it a little bit when we were at the owners meeting. I we were talking about the fact that they've been quiet to that point, and they really still have been. I said to Ron, I'm like, I get or I asked the question, you are in charge of the football decisions but you have a boss are you being told you've got to watch the budget here he's like no 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 just just salary cappers being mindful but i with you like i i'm waiting for the dan snyder sells 35 percent of the team to whomever or whatever the deal is sure. and, and then that throws money because it is a deal right he is unlike some other owners like arthur blank own home depot and like other people have other businesses and he doesn't have that and, uh, and it is always that question of, well, what's going on here with the money? Dan, Dan's rich. He's filthy rich. He has a yacht. He has a private jet. He has two private jets. He's rich. But rich and having money in your pocket or checking account to spend can be two different concepts. Right. And we're all just speculating here. But it's it wouldn't be the first time in NFL history that's happened. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, I think it's a good, uh, it, it is a good note for... Uh, for sure. Um, as I told you before we started, I'm sort of just worn out by all this. So I'm, I'm sort of struggling <laughs> to figure out what to discuss. Nothing from here else really got me uh, pumped up to discuss. Is there any other uh, Phillips takes? Uh, it could be really on any topic. You, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, oh, the, floor, the floor is open. You got any other? Uh, I was on with, uh, who was I doing? Oh, I was on a Doc Walker's uh, podcast the other day. Sure, he wants to talk to me about the draft. And all of a sudden he goes, this is like after game, uh, Caps game one. He goes, is Tom Wilson going to play in the next game? I was like, <laughs> uh, I think you have me confused with somebody else. But sort of to that end, you got something to go, go ahead. I'm going Monday. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, have that, you been to any game this year? No, no. And that's that's a great environment. You know? Playoff hockey to yeah. go to a game is, is the most fun. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, just, yeah, that's a great sport to watch live in general. But playoffs, man, it's. It's gonna be cranked up another notch. I'm looking forward to that. It's it's gonna be, uh, yeah, place is gonna be rocking. someday we'll play off basketball here again, Ben. someday. Oh, uh, well, look, they were in the playoffs last year. It's just it's one thing. Like even the Caps right now, like they're coming off the bad game against Florida. It feels like it's gonna be the the Panthers are probably gonna win. They're the they're the one seed. Re- refresh my memory. Does the play-in game count as being in the playoffs? No. Okay. No, but they advanced yeah. to that. But last year, and they, it was the gentleman sweep, I think, against the Sixers last year, and then uh, they moved on. But like at least with the Caps, you still feel like they could 
hockey's crazy. Sure. Anything is possible. I, uh, you know, even Steve Weiner, who takes it really seriously, he's like, it's a stupid sport. And to that degree, <laughs> it kind of is. And that's uh, uh. Th- this one. This one's a little stupid. But not as stupid. NBA is not stupid. It's uh, whoever's the best team is generally going to win. And baseball's the pinnacle, of course, of you know over the 162 games. Um, my wife and I are getting into Formula One, uh, as is everybody. Yeah, that's it's a trend right now. Uh, that's in Miami this weekend. Couldn't couldn't negotiate what? the RTD jet. Well, I I, um, I have not. I'm aware of Lewis Hamilton, and I'm aware that it's a thing on Netflix. It's the Netflix and beyond show, yeah. that, I, is it that it's that compelling? It's, it's the Netflix show, yeah, it's very well done. It's like remember when Hard Knocks first started, and like our minds were blown by that. Yeah, it's that again. Yeah, it's it's the, it's really good. Yeah, no, that's a good point because right now the Hard Knocks, like uh, unless they did Hard Knocks for this, which would obviously be interesting for us because we cover it, I don't get that excited about it Hard anymore. Knocks rookie minicamp. Well. <laughs> I don't know. I remember last year for the for the Cowboys when they had the drone go yeah. in for Jerry World. Yeah. That was that was pretty impressive. They do a nice job with that. Yeah, that's that's a. Did you see? Like did you see? So obviously you saw the bit where Jerry Jones flashes their big board to the media. But then did you see the everybody's trying to interpret like and so our guy at the Athletic broke down as best he could like 34 of the 39 names, including he had they had he thinks he had Dodson at 27. Uh, that was like. Just the fact that Jerry Jones exists in a world where we have an owner we never ever ever talked to, but Jerry Jones is like here, here's here's our picks. Go ahead, you want to look? The Jerry Jones off season has been an exhausting one, I would imagine, for the uh, Dallas area. What? Crew. So he was in an accident the other day. I assume he was okay because I didn't hear anything else. But... I also haven't heard anything else. There was the paternity lawsuit slash non lawsuit. It was like withdrawn and then put in again. Uh, everything going on with the team, man, Whew. that's a show. That, that. I, I, or my, my prediction is we'll be there for Thanksgiving this year because we got a year off of that last year. So we'll see. Uh, that's They put on a show on Thanksgiving. That's always, yeah, you hate to be on the road on Thanksgiving, but that's the place you want to be. Well, as a show. I, I have, since I've been at the Athletic and been on the beat, I, every year something comes up that I don't go. Yeah. This year it was the, the, the Omicron kind of kicked up, and I was like, eh. Um, all right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna. I will say in terms of the the NFC East, um, you know, it feels like Dallas took a little bit of a step back. They lost some key people, um, you know, but they still have a lot of talent. The Eagles clearly kind of went for it. The AJ Brown trade. They mm-hmm. trade up to get Jordan Davis. I think a lot's gonna hinge though on Jalen Hurts, and I'm not convinced that he's the answer. The Giants are in that sort of rebuilding situation. New coach, new GM. They don't pick up Daniel Jones's option. Prior to the draft and a few things like these guys, you know, between the easy schedule, I haven't seen it. Maybe you have what the strength of schedule is post-draft, but pre-draft they had the easiest strength of schedule. Yeah. Um, But then they kind of had a conservative draft, so it doesn't feel like that moved the needle. So I kind of feel like they're maybe like third right now, maybe. And I don't know if they're closer to the Giants than the top, but I feel like they're. I don't feel like the needle's moving for me on where they're at relative to the other teams. I'm going to take the Giants as a definitive fourth. That's the only one I feel good about in forecasting the NFC East. Um, I think the Eagles have a really high ceiling and a really low floor. Um, And I think these guys are 8 to 11 wins with 9, 10 being almost extremely likely on on a mark. These guys. These guys. Dallas, I agree, took a step back, but I think is still very talented. 
Um, so I, it would be hard to handicap that top three. I'd probably go Dallas, these guys, Philly. But if you want to tell me that Philly finishes first, I'll nod. They could. Right. I yeah. mean, I, and I think this is just to go back to Carson Wentz. If you tell me Carson Wentz is like, I mean, he is the second best quarterback in this division right now. And if you look at the, even the NFC in total, obviously Rodgers and Brady are at the top and, you know, Dak. But, like, you could, there is a world where Carson Wentz is the seventh best quarterback in the NFC. And based on that and this division, like, he could be substantially better than Jalen Hurts. And that's why, to me, I think the Eagles, for all their work, I still have questions about that guy, which is why for these guys, for all the talk we do about the quarterback, I really keep feeling like Chase Young is sort of the story here because that defense is not top 10, top 12. Carson Wentz is only so much he's going to be able to do no matter what, and these and that's where it's going to come down to. And they were so underwhelming last year. All, the offense had – was. They did all they could with Taylor Heineke, who did a fine job, and all these other – the defense, that's what let them down, and they still won seven games. So, uh, that, they, yeah, that, that to me, for all this quarterback talk, it's really going to come down to a defense, which, by the way, other than Landon Collins, is exactly the same. Yeah. It was – I mean, it was a massive underachieving last year. I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say they fell way, way short of expectations. And so, there's got to be some regression to the mean – there's got to be some sort of bounce back. I just, it's tough to believe they're going to be that bad again. Because that was a rough start to the season. I got to believe they're better than that. I'm choosing to believe they're better than that. Way to be optimistic. Uh, you know uh, this, is what, this is what Rookie Minicamp does. It brings out the optimism in everybody. Uh, Michael, we'll, we'll call it there. At Michael PRTD on Twitter. Read him on the Richmond Times Dispatch. Uh, I'm a subscriber because you need to read Michael's stuff. He wrote about Logan Thomas the other day, and he always writes about what's going on with the stadium. By the way, do we expect any kind of stadium update here at some point, or I feel like we've been in a lull here? In a lull, um, you know, you look at the Bills timeline. They crossed the finish line this spring and will play their first game there in 26. So, you know, these guys have publicly declared their intention, first game of 27, new stadium. Uh, you're looking at being in crunch time really quickly here yeah i'm to the point of the money before i'm i'm, I'm leaning more and more towards 2027 is just a number it yeah. doesn't actually mean anything yeah. um because they own it um all right we will see michael appreciate it as always man good times all right many thanks to michael phillips for his time thanks to everyone for checking out the podcast uh again if you missed uh anything we did post draft i had david aldridge Nikki Javala, Mike Smelt, Brendan Darr, different conversations and different ways to look at the draft and where this team is. Those were fun chats as well. And, and you know, if you were still interested in the draft, I don't know if we talked about a ton of the players that Washington ended up taking, but broader, uh, more broad conversations with Greg Cosell, Dane Brugler, Danny Kelly, and others uh, who really studied the draft. You can go check those out in our archives as well. But that is it for now. Uh, more to come, I promise, here on the podcast and over on The Athletic. But until next time, see ya.